I slept really good last night, babes. As did I. And then... <laughs> we, and then... We got up... What time was it? Uh, let me think. It had to be... I got up, like, close to seven. I went back to sleep immediately. Yeah. We're cuddling at one point, and I turn to you and say, you want to go back to bed? <laughs> well, you were more tired. I couldn't sleep. I was, as soon as we stopped cuddling, I was out, like, immediately. Mm. Yeah. And then you woke me up a little bit after nine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I felt bad for you, babes. Why? Because all you did is sit in the bed and watch me sleep. I was listening to stuff. Okay. I was trying to sleep myself. Oh, okay. But who says I was actually in bed? Oh, where'd you go? What did <laughs> no, you do? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is just hearsay for all of you because we say it. We say that it happened, but it may not have happened. No, I'm just not. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, if anyone questions. Uh, no, I, I, I did not um, go back to sleep. I guess I was already uh, awake by then. That's good, babes. It is. Yes. We're supposed to get hard rain today. Oh, well, I think after all the snow we went through for the last uh, few days, which actually, thank goodness, was not a lot in our area, mm -hmm. but probably more in the West Hills, um, I'm, I'm glad that we are getting some rain and I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> you don't have to deal with it either. I'm going to be walking in it, but that's going to be a short thing. Yeah, yeah. By the time you get home, it's probably going to start raining after a while. Yeah, it might start a little bit before, but they say it's going to get harder tonight. Like how, how what, what, around what time? Uh, they said roughly around five. It's going to start at noon, so I'll probably be walking in it, but they said five is when it's going to start to really pick up. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, I do have a Walmart order coming tomorrow. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. That'll be fun, babes. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. It's fun to get some some stuff that you need. Well, and then you can make stuff. And, you can make stuff, you yes. Know, I might do sandwiches this week. Make <laughs> some sandwich bread. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. I think you should. Yeah, why not? What are you thinking about putting in your sandwiches? I don't know yet. We'll have to see. Okay. I might just do grilled cheese. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Those are always good. I mean, if you don't know what to do, just... Uh, Make a grilled cheese, and um, I mean that's that's comfort food right there. Add some pickles, a little bit of pesto. Yeah. Have you ever had grill a grilled cheese sandwich, and you dip it in a bowl of tomato soup? No, I've heard a lot of people are into that though. Um, I tried it, and it tastes pretty good. I've never made sandwich bread in the stand mixer. Mm -hmm. I've only done it by hand or in the food processor. Yeah. But I'm anxious to do it there. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I, I bet I could make noodles in the stand mixer, but I don't know. Well, yeah, you can because you can have get by that uh, pasta attachment. Oh, you can? Okay. Yeah. Do you have one? No, I might get the pasta attachment at some point, though. Okay. Yeah. But you can Can you make it in your food processor? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I've never made noodles from scratch before. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Good, babes. Good. Yes, yes, yes. J-Lo... Yeah. This one might be a little bit shorter because, you know, rain and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yesterday we finished season one of Ted Lasso. Yes, we did. And I kind of hyped the idea that you were going to hear 
Rebecca's confession to Ted yesterday. And you were right? So she is kind of forced to um, tell Ted how she's been sabotaging him because Keely goes to Rebecca and they have a big, you know, exchange. I I love the scene where they're in the uh, foot room for the shoes. Yeah, she's like, oh, it smells like feet in here. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, it's a foot locker room. But I love when Nate walks in and he's like, oh, I know you ladies are in the shoes, but come on, girls, please. (laughs) Then he's like, "Uh, I'm sorry, that was completely sexist. Yeah, but it's true, though. A lot of girls are obsessed with shoes. Me, not so much. I just, you know, I have, I have, um, I don't have like a thousand shoes, Mm -hmm. but I have enough. I have boots, I've got tennis shoes, I've got dress shoes, sandals. I actually need to get some new shoes. You do? Yes, I do. And you actually have to keep them for a while, you know? This pair I've had for over two years, babes. Oh, well, yeah, but still, I mean, still. Yes, yes. You should get some... That is not the norm, though. You should get some comfortable shoes like Skechers, because Skechers last pretty Oh, I love Skechers. I've had them Skechers are great. Yeah. Yeah. Skechers are really comfortable. So before we get to the actual confession, maybe we'll, instead of me just doing a regular recap, we'll break it down as we go along. All right. To mix it up a little bit. Okay. After Nate leaves, Rebecca says, well, what difference would I make if I told Ted? Mm-hmm. And Keely kind of tells her, well, it would make a difference to how I felt about you. Exactly. And I'm wondering from your life, has there been any times where – You've wanted somebody to do the right thing, even if it wouldn't change the results, but it would affect how you perceive that person. Huh. You mean like someone that I wasn't that close to or someone that I knew? Either way, but it has to be somebody that you kind of know at least. Absolutely. I'm sure we all have. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like you related more to Keely in the situation. In some ways, yes. Yes. Well, that's good. Th- that it's so frustrating when you want someone to do the right thing, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't speak up out about it. They don't, and it doesn't even have to be a confession. It could be like, you know, some people are being done wrong, but you're not willing to talk about it. You're not willing to confront it, and you're just kind of going along with what's going on. It's interesting. I, I don't want this to turn into a lefty rant. Probably. But I kind of feel like we do that every day in our society. Stay, you know, turn a blind eye to things? Yeah. Like, we eat animal products, and we're willing to turn a blind eye with how they're treated. We buy from Walmart, and yet we're willing to overlook the way that they don't allow their employees to unionize. We do all these other little things, and because the person isn't being tortured in front of us and we don't have a name to a specific individual, we just pretend that it's okay. Okay. Where is this going? Well, I'm just saying, how do you feel about what I just said? Um, I think there may be some truth to it, but at the same time, it's like, are we going to nitpick everything and not eat anything? Not eat anything, not buy anything, um, uh, completely boycott everything until we're no longer a part of society. Mm. 
that's that's where it gets really, really, really um, in the weeds. And it's like, well, how I mean, are you going to let these uh, are are you going to let um, people dictate um, what you eat, what you drink, um, where you buy? Uh, it's just I mean, I'm sure there are organizations that are fighting for causes like that. But at the same time, it's like uh, pretty soon if we nitpick every corporation, every company, we're not going to have anything anymore. I do agree with you. And at the same time, I think to myself, while I don't believe in the Christian God, if God exists in the form that you do, where there's judgments for the things you do here on earth, I would imagine that looking the other way, like we do as a society, is going to be pretty high up on the list of things we're going to be judged for. We're going to be judged for a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I, um, I bet that's going to be high up on there. Um, if your idea of God is it's real. possible. I it's possible. I mean, um, there are things that we on this earth uh, do not have the ability to absolve. Do not have the ability to um, to resolve it. I mean, not absolve, resolve mm. it. And I think that there are things in this world that are God sized problems that we as humans try to take on and we can't do it. Oh, it's just not, it, it, we just can't. Sometimes we just can't. Nice. But I think we, we, we're getting off track here. We're getting off track, babes. So Rebecca invites Ted into the office and she's really nervous. She wants to talk about the dictionary and <laughs> uh, shall we get a dictionary? <laughs> Procrastination. Ted <laughs> leaves the office, and 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 Rebecca's like, "Oh, I just got to do this." Gets up from her desk, goes to see Ted, confesses everything. And when I first watched this, I wasn't sure what he was going to do. I didn't know if he was going to storm out and completely um, uh, separate himself from the entire league. But instead, he stands up and he says, "I forgive you." Divorce can be hard on anybody. It doesn't matter if you're the one dumping or the one being dumped. And then she embraces him in a hug. Yeah. That was such a, like, powerful, powerful scene to me. Like, okay, so you obviously have probably figured out that I'm not a Christian. But. Uh, yeah, you've you've said it ad nauseum over right. and over again, and I never hear the end of it. Oh, good. No, no, it's not good. But. <laughs> this is. An example of Christianity done correctly. Absolutely, it is. Mm -hmm. Even if Ted is not a Christian. I, I think that the character is, right? I don't think so. Really? I think, okay, there are people that have Christian ideals but are not actually Christian. Mm. I don't know that Ted is. I think it may look on the outside like he is, but he may not be. He may just may harbor um um very um uh christian ideals but he doesn't serve uh he doesn't serve uh uh jesus oh he may not you know i mean and i'm not saying that he isn't but i'm also not saying that he is either okay if i if gun to my head the creators are there and they say you have to guess whether ted lasso is a christian and if you guess wrong we're blowing your brains out right here and your brains are going to end up all over jayla really extreme it is my guess would be that he's a christian 
Okay. But I don't, do I know that? No, they've never said that in the show. Right. Yeah. I love that scene. That is such that a That is a good scene. scene. I, I actually did feel, now that I thought about it a little bit more, because I didn't have a, um, I wasn't sure about that yesterday, mm-hmm. but I thought about it more, and I th- I really do think she was sorry. No, she definitely was. I mean, she, she, and so, you know how some people, when they cry, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have, they're uh, repentant of what they did. Yeah. But I don't think she was crying crocodile tears. I, I think she was really sad about how she treated him, and I think she was also sad about how she treated Higgins. I'm not going to spoil the second season yeah. for you, but what I will say is Rebecca does not do any scheming against Ted in, in season two of the show. There's no more of that let's try to ruin Ted right, 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 or anything right. like that. Right. In some ways, yeah. the story of season one of Ted Lasso is a story of Rebecca's redemption or Rebecca's resolving her issues uh, with pain over her divorce. I, I think uh, redemption is the right word. I mm. think she is trying to redeem herself. And you can you can take it in different ways. Um, she's trying to face it. She's confronting her own pain now, and a lot of it had to do with her relationship with Rupert. Yeah. So I think she's confronting her pain with um, how she wasn't there for her friend and, and her goddaughter, and the pain uh, as to how she treated her assistant and now uh, Coach Lasso. So. Um, I think she's trying to realize, you know what? Every decision I make can either help or hurt people. Absolutely. And Flo is a recurring character in the second season, too. Uh-oh. She's like in three or four episodes, I think. Okay. After that, Rebecca goes to talk to Higgins, who has become a bit of a beatneck since the last episode. <laughs> what does he look like? He has a little bit of like a goatee type thing. He's let his hair grow out just a, a slight bit and he's playing, was it like an upright bass? It was a bass. I don't know what kind of a bass it was. It was a bass guitar. Yeah. Is it, is it a bass or a, was it a bass uh, violin or was it a bass guitar? I'm not sure. It sounded like a bass guitar to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah, because there are, there are basses in the, um, uh, the, um, when you're talking about violins and violas and uh-huh. in in that family, absolutely. So I think he. I think it sounded more like a guitar. She apologizes to him, and they kind of patch things up, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yes. Okay, now let's get to your buddy Roy Kent. <laughs> He's not my buddy. I don't even know what I think about him yet. But I skipped over the beginning of this episode, which is great, where Roy is bathing in a trash can <laughs> watching some sports show yeah ted walks in and they have a little bit of an exchange and i love this line from ted where he's like you beating up on yourself is like woody allen playing the clarinet i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> he's probably terrible at the clarinet mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> you know the the clarinet thing with woody allen right? no yeah i think you had to explain it again i think you told me but i i forgot okay so, Woody Allen, famous film director, very popular in the Me Too world. Of course. Is somebody who's been nominated for a lot of Academy Awards over yeah. the years. Yeah. He has some, but I don't know the exact number. Mm-hmm. But he 
it's it's two hobbies outside of filmmaking. Well, I guess they're their hobbies because he doesn't do them for a living. Yeah. Are he's really into baseball and playing with a blues band, and his instrument is the clarinet. Wow. So there was one night where he won an Oscar, I think. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm getting the story right. And he wasn't there because he was with his band playing uh, this blues bar. Wow. I, I don't know if he still does it, but the thing was, I think every Monday night for 25 years, he would play at the specific bar with his band. Uh, at, at, you know, That actually sounds really cool, actually. Well, if it sounds cool to you, they made a documentary about him called Wild Man Blues. Oh, really? And Suni is actually in the documentary. Oh, wow. But they don't talk about any of the scandal. They don't talk about their marriage or anything, which is really, really gross. You see, like, one or two intimate moments with them, but it's more about him and his band. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so that's an obscure reference that you kind of have to be a film nerd to know about, I guess. That's kind of cool. I I love hearing about celebrities getting into... um, Music like uh, like Kevin Bacon and his brothers have a band. Yeah, the Bacon Brothers, uh-huh. and uh, they've been um, playing. Uh, you know, when Kevin Bacon was in acting, uh, they would play together. I thought that was really cool. That's that is nice. Yes, yes. So, Coach Beard and Nate both think that Ted should pull Roy from the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And they start to give him the cold shoulder because Ted doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he sits down next to Roy and says, I really want to talk to you about football. Mm -hmm. And Roy immediately tells him to go fuck himself, walks away. And you see this moment. You see the hurt child that lives within Roy. There's a great scene I can't remember where in the episode it happens, but he takes his niece Phoebe over to Keely's place. Yeah, and the, him and Keely are on the couch. Phoebe's listening to something, and he talks about how all my life I've been Roy Kent's great football player, mm-hmm. and I don't want to just be some dumb guy named Roy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love this because uh, Keely calls. The uh, Phoebe over and says, hey, tell me everything you think about your uncle. And she's like, well, you know, all this. He buys me ice cream and I love him. And Keely looks at Roy and says, she didn't say anything about football. And Roy's response is great. He's like, what the fuck does she know? She's six. (laughs) Which uh, any other show that's like a family show, they would have ended it with Keely saying, you know, the thing about she doesn't care about you being a football player. But I love that they also included Roy's spin on the situation. What was your response to that scene? Um, I thought Roy was pretty flippant with his response. Oh, um, that's it, why I'm not really, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what I think about Roy. I know he's very, very angry and that also means that he's hurt. So I, I, um, I haven't warmed up to him yet, but I think that Keely, I like what she says when she when she um she really um liked uh, Phoebe's answer and she didn't just dismiss it. Well, the, and she was trying to get Roy to see that he's more than just a and, football. Player. And then she said, which I really like, what she said: "It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about Roy Kent. What do you think about Roy?" Mm-hmm. It's in other words, don't pay so much attention about what other people think about you. Exactly. And and I think that's so 
so true because a lot of us do. We think about appearances. We think about, you know, how we're going to look to people. And sometimes a lot of us get caught up in that, whether it's how much stuff do I have? Uh, do I have the best kitchen appliances or is my car clean <laughs> or is, um, you know, do I have like, um, the highest I can get in, uh, scholastic endeavors, you know, whatever it is, if I get into a symphony, you know, whatever it is, it's like, well, d- does anybody really, I mean, should you really care about that? Um, not so much. Yeah. I do, but Roy's being real with it. He's going through a stage of grief in a way. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to the other stuff yet, but we're we're yeah. going to get there. Yeah, and we're yeah, I realize that. Yeah. So, Coach Beard is at the bar where they typically go to hang out. Yeah. And he's looking at the girl that he took to the um, banquet a few episodes earlier. She's playing chess with some other guy. Yeah. Ted comes in. They start drinking. And Ted says, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Roy figured out the situation before I could tell it to him. But I think I'm going to keep him in the starting lineup. And he explains to Coach Beard, you know, the game doesn't really matter. It's about helping these kids. And Beard flips out on him a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And says this thing about, well, you know, I understand when we were in the States, we were dealing with kids. But these are men. This is a real game. And we risk relegation. You're playing with people's lives. He gets up, goes over to the girl. She says, that's the most sexy thing I've ever seen. He takes one of her uh, pawns, moves it, checkmates the guy, and is like, (laughs) checkmate, mate. (laughs) Which is like the perfect uh, drop the mic moment. What did you think of that scene and that side of Coach Beard? Um, I like that he was, um, really, uh, being honest with Ted and taking initiative, uh-huh. um, and saying, Hey, look, I mean, I know you want to help these kids, but these are men. These aren't kids. I told you this yesterday. I was going to save this till the end of our analysis, but it might be important to bring up here. Yeah. I've said many times, not just to you, but to other people that the reason Ted Lasso to me works is because while it is a bit of a corny show, it came out during the time of COVID and we needed something that's a little bit gushy and mushy to kind of bring our spirits up. And not only have I said that everyone who I've talked to about the show, maybe besides for you has had the exact same feeling, but I was watching some Ted Lasso philosophy videos like a week or two ago on YouTube. Uh And apparently Bill Lawrence who co-created the show said that, he thought that people were going to see the show for what it was, which is Ted is an example of to- toxic positivity. Is that even a thing? I, it is. It is, but it isn't really talked about as much as it should be. So some people I, might make the argument that, and I don't necessarily believe this, but let's take another example, that Tony Robbins could be an example of toxic positivity. I, I, I don't think that's true, but I... I understand why some people would think that. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. what do you think of his belief that about Ted after watching that scene with Coach Beard? Well, I, I – uh, what? what do I- you think that, that 
Ted is an example of toxic positivity. And when we look at the scene with what happened with Coach Beard, Mm -hmm. there's an interesting argument to be made because Coach Beard is kind of telling Ted, you're being too much of the positive guy and you're forgetting that we're playing a game and there, there are real consequences to this game. Right, 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 right. Um, I think in some ways there are, there is some truth to that, Mm. but I also think that Ted wants to find meaning in his job and not just, oh, I'm just here to coach these guys so that they can do good in their league. And he doesn't want to just think like it's business as usual. Um, I'm just coaching this team so that we can win the game. Yeah. I think he said, I think he wants to coach these guys, but he also wants to get to know them, not just as players, but as, uh, as friends, as adult, uh, men, uh, as themselves, not just his players. I would agree. So I don't, I don't think that, I think Coach Beard is somewhat right, but not completely. Mm-hmm. Because I really do think that, that Ted is reaching for more than just having fun in the game. After he leaves the bar, he sees Roy Kent standing outside. Yep. They go back to Ted's place. I love this because Ted is eating peanut butter <laughs> with his finger straight from the from jar. The jar yeah. And he asks Roy if he wants any. <laughs> But then they get into a serious discussion, and Ted basically says, well, if you want, we can just say that you're out because of an injury, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But if you can come to practice tomorrow, we would love it. Yeah. Eventually, Roy comes to practice, and uh, everything's all good for that episode. Yep, that was good. Now, the next episode. That's when things kind of pick up a little bit yeah richmond is facing relegation if they lose a match or fail to tie and it's good they're going to be playing against jamie's new team right but it starts out with nate getting a promotion yeah and i was very surprised Mm. because (laughs) nate runs into the new guy he's like who is this (laughs) (laughs) i was like what and 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 he's thinking he's demoted he's thinking he's fired or fired and Ted's like, actually, you're promoted, and everybody is applauding, and they're really happy. And Nate's probably like, whoa, that's something I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They do the math, and they don't think that there's any way they can win the game. Mm-hmm. Ted goes to see Rebecca, and she gives him brilliant advice, basically saying, one of your big advantages is that you don't have the training in this particular game, yep. which means that you can think of it a little bit differently. So yep. they start testing out these new techniques that they don't think the other team I, is going to be used I to. love this because he calls them trick plays. Yeah. And things that, that the other team wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. And talking about the new, the names of moves. And, uh, and I thought that was a really cool scene, actually. It was. And if you know anything about artistic endeavors... Sometimes you have an advantage if you don't look at things the way everybody else does. Uh-huh. I remember hearing somewhere, somebody said that, I think it was Jimi Hendrix, I hope I'm getting this right, didn't play the guitar like it was a guitar, but he played it like it was a piano. 
Mm. I don't. I I hope I'm not just making that up. Okay. okay. So we're not going to delve too deeply into that because that could have just been something I heard on the internet <laughs> late one night. Right, right. But it sounded good at the time. Okay. Okay. We come to the big game. Everybody's on the field. And they're doing the game. And I know I skipped over some stuff, but we don't want to cover everything. Right. Jamie is running to kick a goal. Roy stops him, but in the process, he falls and hurts himself. Yep. And this is basically, he's coming to term with the fact that this is going to be his last game as a professional athlete. Yeah, and he couldn't get up. Yeah, eventually he does, but he barely does it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was real because in other shows, especially at the end of the first season, they wouldn't necessarily have his career end. There would be like yeah. a miracle cure. He something. got. What, did he? Did he injure his ankle, or what did he injure? I think it was his ankle. I could be wrong though. Yeah, and um, I know um, it, pe- you showed people uh, uh, Keely and Rebecca watching this, and mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and poor Roy. I mean, you really have to feel for the guy. Absolutely. He goes back, he has his shirt off, and he's like, here's something. And he says, nobody's allowed back here. Keely comes in, he tells her to go away, and she sits down next to him, and he kind of like cries into her shoulder, which is a really touching moment. Yeah. This show has a lot of touching moments in it. Yeah. Meanwhile, the game's still going on. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I skipped over something kind of important. Yeah. The Roy thing happened after halftime. Yeah. And during the halftime, Ted gives a speech to them about how you have to believe. And the, am I getting that right? It's basically about the importance of belief. Um. Oh, he says he says y'all have a shame over here that it's the hope that kills you. But but actually, I think it's the lack of hope. Yeah. And I like I I love that. I love that he put it that way Mm -hmm. because hope is what makes a person go forward what they're doing. Absolutely. And the lack of hope, you're not going to want to go forward. And um, I I thought that was it. I thought it was great what he said. Just because Morgan Freeman would love London doesn't mean J-Lo would. (laughs) What? No. In in Shawshank, he's like, hope is a dangerous thing. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Morgan Freeman might hate London, and he might really believe in hope. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great speech. Anyways, so at one point, they score a goal, and they're not going to be relegated. Everybody's Mm -hmm. celebrating. They take their eye off the prize, and at the last second, Jamie Tart uh, wins it for the opposite team. Oh, and and of course, we're not – I didn't expect it. Yep, and the team is relegated. And they look very, very disappointed. And I like, too, that they did it for you think that they're going to win. Yeah. You know, and then Jamie pulls it out at the last second. Right. So then they start playing the sad music. Everybody's really upset. Jamie's dad's yelling at him still. Well, before that happens. Yeah. Yes, but Ted's walking backstage. He sees Jamie in the guest locker room. He almost goes in. Then he hears Jamie's dad yelling at him mm-hmm. and walks away because he doesn't want Jamie to be even more embarrassed if he walks in. Right. He goes back, and this is an even better speech than the Hope one, yeah. where he says, the only thing worse than being sad is being alone and sad. Yep. And I don't see any lonely people here. Look around you. Then he turns to Sam, and he's like, Sam, do you remember what the happiest animal on earth is? And he's like, a like goldfish. goldfish. He says, so let's be sad tonight, and then let's be goldfish. <laughs> 
I love that. Oh, that that hits me right in the heart. I thought it was the one. I thought he said something about the the animal has the shortest. Was it the shortest attention span? Yeah, but because he said no, but he said that to Sham at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, at the end of it, he's like, "Who's the happiest animal?" And he's like, "A goldfish." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are they are pretty happy. I don't know. Women, they seem happy. Well, they they're probably in pain inside. (laughs) Okay. And that's a great scene. I love that scene. That is a good scene. Yes. Yeah. And then Coach Beard, as Jamie's about to leave, gives him a note from Ted. Ted gave uh, Jamie a toy soldier to keep him safe. Jamie looks around and puts it in his pocket. The next day, Ted comes in to Rebecca's office, finds out that Higgins is what's known as a feminine masculine. <laughs> I, uh, okay. Sits down next to Rebecca. He says he's going to resign. She says, no, we got work to do for next year. And that's basically the end of the season. Feminine masculine. Yes. He's metrosexual. <laughs> Something like that. Well, it has to do with the fact that he's a junior on his mom's side. Yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> what did you think of the season now that you've watched the full one? Um, There's a lot of surprises. Are, you, Craziness. are you it would be safe to say that you are now maybe not a diehard fan of the show but you are a fan yeah i am i mean i'm i'm not as crazy a fan as you are oh my but goodness. but but um i do i do appreciate it mm. for what it is do you ever wonder babes if i have more of a capacity to become a fan of things than you do no really no i just think that you like stuff that I like and stuff that I don't like. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, wow. That's how it is. Oh. <laughs> but besides for Trump I, and Jesus, I've never heard you really talk about being a diehard fan of anything. Um. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, there are some things that I like, but um, I'm not like over obsessive over it. Mm. Neither am I, though. Yeah. Yes. yes, you are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, my goodness, babes. I mean, just because I don't express it as as um, effusive as you do. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not a diehard fan of anything. Nice. That just means that I'm not as expressive. Oh. I express myself, but I'm not, like, excessively expressive. Mm. As that, if that makes any sense. Well, good. Yeah. And next season, we get to start with season two. Next season, next <laughs> weekend. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I speak fast because I feel like I wasn't heard as a kid, but we already know that. That's okay. And that causes me to trip over my words. That's okay. Yes. That's, that's, that's not necessarily your fault. Thank you, babes. Yeah. We made dinner last night, JLo. Yeah, it turned out pretty good. Um, we made some. We cooked some chicken with uh, pepper and uh, some potatoes and celery. I liked it. I I thought it was delicious. Yes. It was very good. Simple, but very good. Yeah. And I I thought, you know what? I don't think we need any rice because I think if we added rice, it would have taken taken us a little bit longer and we were pretty hungry. So Mm -hmm. um, the thing I had a hard time with is like um, chopping up the chicken because it felt like I had to kind of push and it was a little bit uh, hard to separate. Yes. 
But I, 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 I did it. <laughs> We're happy for you, babes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. J-Lo. Yes. Last night. Yeah. We watched a movie that I really enjoy called The Truman Show. And that was the second time I watched it um, since I watched it in the theaters a long time ago when I was a teen. And mm-hmm. I didn't get it the first time. Did you see it with other people? I was with my family. Okay. Would they? You told me that they don't like to describe movies to you, though. I think they did, but it was like, I just, I still didn't get the movie. Mm. I mean, they they still do. But, okay. Um, I don't really ask them as much anymore. And they, 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 uh, they, they do. I mean, I don't have to force them to do, to do it. Nice. But even when they were describing it, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I didn't understand it. I really liked it. I, so I saw it twice in the movie theaters, right? It was great, but when I revisited it a couple years ago, it worked on a whole other level. Because it's one of those movies where it's like the opposite of being dated. It's actually gotten better as time goes by. Would you agree? Yes, because it's because it's so poignant today. Mm-hmm. It's it's really poignant today because now people are on social media platforms. People are. Um, People have had uh, celebrities uh, start their own reality shows, um, and people like that stuff. And it's 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 a lot more poignant. Except um, the Truman Show, of course, um, was set up a lot more, a, a lot differently. Yeah, like I think back in '98 in this country, at least we had the real world. Yes, maybe world rules. I'm not it, it even was sure ro- about that. It was road rules. Yeah, I, I was watching both shows. Yeah, and possibly one or two others on basic cable, yeah. but it was nothing like it is today. It, it is completely skyrocketed today. Now it's like reality show crazy. Something I've I've wondered throughout the years is. Like, two years after this yeah. is when reality TV really hits. Yes. So I think to myself, if the Truman Show would have come out in June of 2001, yeah. instead of the summer of 1998, would it have been uh, an even bigger success? Or would it have been one of those things to where people thought that Jim Carrey was trying to do a, a quick movie to try to grab attention from the craze of reality TV? I think it might it might have been even bigger. Yeah, but this movie was still fairly popular when it came out. It's yeah. not like it flopped or anything. No. It's just become more beloved over time. Yeah, and it, it it definitely did not seem dated at all. No. Do you want to give the brief overview? Uh I'm yeah, I'm not going to give details because it's hard to do character analysis when uh Truman's life was pretty much set from the time he was born. I, I got some questions about character analysis, but just to give a quick recap. Okay. Uh, basically, um, Truman is living his life. Truman uh, Burbank, which is kind of a funny name, um, was living his life with his wife, Meryl. And um, there are things... He, he lives on this... It's an island, right? Yes. He lives on an island called Sea Haven. And... Sea Haven has a studio that um Sea Haven basically is a television studio. It's a television studio, but it's it's set on an island. Yeah, it's a huge one. Yes. And so um all these things are happening in his life 
um, people are watching this because he doesn't realize that he's a part of his own show. From the time he was born um, until the present day, when he's got a best friend named Marlon, a wife named Marlon, a wife named Meryl, um, he runs into this, um, well, I mean, they, they, they show flashbacks of him in high school and much younger. Um, it shows, and I'm going to kind of, um, talk a little bit about the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, not everything, but it shows a scene where his father, um, supposedly dies in this, uh, this accident on the water. It was a boating one, right? Boating yep. accident. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that his dad really did die. And his mom says, no, you're just upset because you feel bad about what happened. And I don't blame you. I never blamed you. And I don't blame you now. And he's going throughout his life and he's realizing things are very, very weird. Um, they show another flashback of him looking at this girl named, uh, Lauren that, um, that's not really her name and she isn't supposed to, she isn't supposed to talk to him and he, and he was very attracted to her, but it just so happens that Meryl ends up, uh, she fell on him, right? Yeah. To try to distract him from Lauren who broke onto the set. Yes. Lauren turns out to be somebody else named Sylvia. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up marrying Meryl because um, that's what the show creators wanted him to do. So meanwhile, he's trying to figure out what's going on. People are following him. He sees a guy that looks like his dad. Something isn't right about Meryl. Cause he, and, and it's funny how they do promotions, too. Could you explain that? Because it's real life and it's supposed to be on them 24-7, we don't know when something interesting is about to happen. So you can't just air regular commercials. They'll have product placement, much like they did back in old radio shows. So Meryl will be having an argument with Truman and still say something like, why don't we try this cocoa? It's the best cocoa I've ever had. It's taken straight from Nicaragua. It's better than any other cocoa on the market. <laughs> or he'll be mowing the lawn and still say something you to the... Have a, you should have like one of those... Those uh, power mowers or whatever. The new power mowers that have just come up from this company. It's the latest and greatest. <laughs> Yes. I thought that was really funny. Yes, yes, yes. So he notices something isn't right. He uh, takes Meryl on a joyride, um, and she's not liking this at all. He says, hey, look, there's no cars on the road, and everybody's watching this. Yep. They almost drive off of – actually, they do drive off of a bridge. She's freaking out. Um, I think there's one scene – Across the bridge. Across the bridge. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, he's freaking, she's freaking out. He's trying to get away to Fiji because he just thinks that he needs to see the world more. And, uh, can I step in for a second? You can step in as much as you want to. He tells people that that's why he wants to go there. But the real reason is because when 
Sylvia, who said her name was Lauren, was there. Yeah. She was taken by a man off the set. Yeah. And he's claimed to be her father and said, we're moving out of we're town. We're moving to Fiji. We're moving to Fiji. And he's trying to find her. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. Well, there's... I could go into more detail, but... Some of it you just want to see. I think... I think I'm going to stop here because there's so much detail in it. And he does find out eventually that his whole life was a show. Yeah. And he's given the opportunity. Some people have compared this movie to the matrix. And I think it's, it's actually a really good comparison, even though they're very different. Yeah. So he's given the opportunity to stay in Sea Haven and on TV, which is weird because it's a blue background. So it would be kind of like taking the blue pill or uh, exiting, and he decides to leave. He takes a bow. He says, "Case, I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good morning, and good night. Good, 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 good after. Good, good morning. Good afternoon. Or good afternoon. Good evening, and good night. Yeah. And then he leaves. Yeah. To reality. Yeah. This is such a powerful movie. It is. It every time I, I and I liked it a lot from the first time I saw it. So it's not like I didn't appreciate it when it came out. Yeah. But every time I see it, I like it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's, I like too that people are starting to talk about this movie. Uh-huh. They always did, but I've noticed within the last five to 10 years, it's come up a lot more in conversations. Yeah. There's something to be said that the woman he's attracted to is the only person who's acting like a real human being. Exactly, because he's he was telling, you know, she was telling him as she was leaving, they're lying to you, he's lying to you, this is all for you, it's a show. I, I and, and then she says, get out of here, go find me. I think that our government is corrupt and controlled by big corporations. Now, why am I telling this to you? I, I think it's always been that way, but it's gotten a lot worse over time. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I don't believe that you could do something like this in our country where you could, a corporation could adopt a baby and raise it on TV. I I don't think so. But it wouldn't surprise me if they, one day they do that in China. In China, possibly. Maybe. I mean, I don't think that they've done that yet. No. But it wouldn't surprise me if that happened down the line. Do you think that something like the Truman Show could one day become real? I hope not. I hope not. I think that I've noticed that there are people um, that talk about like alternate realities. Oh, I'm one of them. I know. Yes. And I hear, and I, and it's like, I hear, I don't hear the end of it. It's like, are we in an alternate? But I think that some people are so, are so ready to escape their own reality. They're willing to create an alternate reality for themselves. Mm. And it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Um, much like in Ready Player One, where the Oasis was created because nobody wanted to deal with their own reality. Mm-hmm. It, it can be very toxic. I hear you. And as we've discussed many times, I think this is just a version of reality, but not the only version of reality. Um, so, yeah, but you said you weren't exactly married to it either. I'm not married to any idea, but I'm telling you what I think right now. Mm-hmm. This is reality. But this isn't the only form of reality. Okay. Yeah. So something I've speculated before, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. We always hear stories about aliens are sighted and 
in, in Omaha or they're looking out for us and they, they come and visit us once in a while. And to me, we, we kind of disagree in, in, in some aspects of what I'm about to say and in others we don't. I do believe in extraterrestrial life. Having said that, I don't see a good reason why they would visit. Now, mm -hmm. there's a couple of exceptions. And an idea that I played with that I don't necessarily believe in, but I do think that it deserves some exploring, right? Why would aliens visit us? I don't think that I'm the star of my own reality TV show, mm -hmm. right? But I do think that there is an argument to be made that maybe Earth itself is a soundstage for a reality TV show created by aliens. <laughs> I do. I believe that it's possible that aliens tune into a reality show called Earth or whatever they want to call it, and they just tune into these different feeds of people around our planet and watch us doing dumb stuff. I don't believe that that's real, but I think it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And it sounds from your laughter like you completely disagree with that. Absolutely. I think it's absurd. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, it's fun to think about, but I, I honestly think that um, you're analyzing this way too much. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And it sounds like you're not at all convinced that China will one day make a real-life version of The Truman Show. No, I don't. Now... I expected you to dismiss my idea that this is, that Earth is part of an intergalactic TV show. But I wasn't sure how you were going to feel about the China thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's really possible. I really don't. Really? I, I, I don't know. I just never thought of it that way. Mm. I mean, China is definitely, um, there, I am sure that there are, no length, no length that um, China would go through to um, uh, to take over the world. But I'm not sure about adopting a baby, as far as like a corporation in China adopting a baby and and uh, having all of their uh, pretty much their whole entire life planned out. It's a little bit far fetched. Okay, interesting. Yeah, this show takes place on an island. Mm -hmm. Okay. Survivor comes to the U.S. in, I, I'm not, I've never watched an episode um, of Survivor. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't really get into it. It, it. it got really popular in 2001. Oh, okay. Now, I know that there were versions of it across the world before it came to the U.S. So I'm not sure if it was around when they were making this movie um, or not. And, and the people that were in the Survivor that I remember um, was uh, there was one in the um, South China Sea where people from the U.S. were were there. Okay. Yeah. That's so. great. What? Hey. Well, I'm trying to make a point, and we're not trying to go into each individual cast. I know, Survivor. I know, but... Oh, yes, one guy in the show, Bob. No, okay, okay. Let's get back to it. But you dismissed me. Okay, I love you. Mm. All right, give me a kiss. No. This is to certify that you are no longer being dismissed. Mm. Okay. Ah. All right, all right. So Truman is on an island. Survivor has been on islands before. Mm -hmm. And I believe this movie came out before K-1. 
Castaway. Oh, I think you're right. By like a year or two, but they're roughly within the Castaway same. Castaway was a good movie. Yeah, they're roughly within the same period of time. Yeah. Islands can be many things, right? So an island can be used as a metaphor for isolation, right? Mm-hmm. You'll often hear stories about somebody uh, landed on a remote island, or we can take Gilligan's Island. Yep. So what is what is this film and the island metaphor in the in this movie kind of teach us about the idea of Truman being an isolated person, even though he's supposedly part of a community? I don't understand your – I'm not sure what your question is. Oh, you mean like a, a fake community? Yeah, so he's isolated. He's definitely isolated. But he's led to believe that he's not isolated. Yeah. It's it's almost like he's been living a lie. It is he has been living a lie for his entire life. And especially and I had to check out these scenes where where the creator is whispering into Marlon's ear mm-hmm. and saying, you know, if I was really in on it then or if I was lying to you then I would have to be in on it too. And he said then the last or he said the last thing I would want to the last thing I would ever do is lie to you. And you know he's lying. Because right. he's being fed lies. And then uh, when his dad sees him and he's like, okay, now uh, come closer and cue up the music, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I had to chuckle at it because I'm like, wow, uh, you know, what lengths would these creators go to uh, to hide the truth from Truman? Well, yeah, they're hiding the truth from him, but he's isolated. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. His his life is an entire lie. Mm-hmm. And that has to be very, very lonely for him once he finds out what, what's going on. Yeah. Christoph plays kind of the role of God in this movie. Right. But a, an evil God. Right. Well, well, let's ask this question. Yeah. Is Christoph evil? Because at one point he says to Jim Carrey, Truman... At the end of the movie, this reality is just as real as what's out there, except you're safe in here. Mm. So does Kristoff think think that he's evil for exploiting Jim Carrey, or does he think, I'm keeping him safe? Um, I think it's both. Mm. I think he's, he's evil for taking the life of Jim Carrey and exploiting it. But at the same time, he ha- he may have compassion for him and saying, well, you're safe in here and not out there. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what's out there. What does this movie tell us about the desire to be on TV by any means necessary? So we have mm-hmm. Laura Linney. Yep. Who plays the wife in this movie. Yep. They don't have a baby because she gets freaked out by some of the ways he's acting. But there's talk in the show about, hey, what if we had a kid together? Mm-hmm. So she's willing to have a baby with somebody and raise it in a, in a very fake environment at one point, and, just so she can then, stay a character on the show. And then he said, I don't know why you're talking to me. You can't stand me. Mm-hmm. And she starts crying. I think is when she breaks down and says, I can't work in these conditions. <laughs> Right, but up until that point, yeah. she's willing to do whatever it takes to be on TV. Exactly, and exactly. And in some ways, that's mirroring our own culture now, where people will do anything yeah. to get YouTube views. Well, well, you hear about young people in their 20s, college-age people that don't have a lot of life experience, and they say, oh, all I want to be is a YouTube or internet in- influencer. Mm-hmm. 
as if uh, that could um, solidify them for life, right? Yeah. Oh, all I have to do is be a new on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, whatever it is, and I'll be set without doing the work. I can create a persona. Everybody's going to love me. Everybody is going to know my name when I walk the streets, but they don't think about what kind of consequences they could face. No. Not at all. Some people have been uh, on reality shows and it's completely ruined their life. I could see that. Completely ruined their career. So let's ask an interesting question. Yeah. If Laura Linney had had a baby with Truman, presumably that would have meant that she would have spent a lot more time in the fictional world of Sea Haven. Yeah. Do we believe that, I don't know how they do it in the show, but maybe they have situations to where before their marriage fell apart, she would have to go out of town to visit family or something weird like that so she could get a break. Yeah. Do you think that the times when she was offset, she got a lot of love from people, but there were also people who hated her for helping to exploit Truman. And if she would have had a baby, she would have escaped reality and the hate of the outside world. Oh, I'm sure you might have some, uh, that maybe have, um, that may have some truth to that. Mm. There may be some truth to that. Yeah. Um, so that was, and, and I thought it was really funny too when the creators are like, uh, oh, by the way, um, Meryl is going to leave Truman in an so upcoming, we, in an episode. upcoming episode. So we have to find some, somebody for her. <laughs> and all these kids are watching, not kids, but all these people are watching. And you remember that one scene where um, it pretty much ends and it's like, hey, what else is on? Yeah. <laughs> And they missed the entire point of the show. Well, it's kind of like the cable guy in a lot yeah. of ways. It's weird. Like, Jim Carrey started off as a stand-up, moved to TV and low-budget movies, and then became a star doing these films that were for kids. Mm-hmm. So this is my perception. And and I don't know if – I assume that this was intentional, but I don't have proof. He realized that he had a following of people who are a little bit younger and decided, well, if I have these kids, why don't I try to expose them to some really interesting ideas? Because fame is fleeting. Mm -hmm. And it's great to do Ace Ventura, but if I expose them to something that's a little bit more meaningful, maybe it could plant a seed. And so then he does the cable guy, which has some deeper meanings. He gets some pushback from that. So he goes to Liar Liar, Mm -hmm. brings back most of his audience, and then takes another left turn with this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it definitely worked in my situation. He planted some seeds with the cable guy and with Truman Show. And and I've only watched the cable guy once, and I didn't really care for it. I think the Truman Show is better. Yeah. But the cable guy to me is within the conversation of great Jim Carrey movies. Hmm. Yeah. There might have been something I was missing in that one because I just, I thought he was, I don't know. I guess I thought the cable guy was a little bit weird. And you're not alone. When it came out, a lot of people gave him flack for doing that movie. I thought it was very strange. A lot of people said it was a bad movie. I, I always liked the cable guy. I saw it like the day after it came out and was blown away by it. Yeah, because we rented it. Hmm. And I, I didn't care for her. I thought he was nuts. It, well, the, the character, I mean. it's it, The character is nuts. 
but it says something. It's interesting because both movies are commentary on television uh-huh. and reality. So, also, the backdrop of the Truman Show is... I neglected to mention probably the most popular reality show of the 90s that had already come and gone to that point, the O.J. Simpson trial. Right. Uh, A type of reality show, I guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much that affected the making of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. I, I really want to do some research about... What was the inspiration for this film? Who wrote it? That type of thing. And I haven't. But I wonder if it wasn't for the O.J. Simpson trial, if we would have had the Truman Show. Huh. I don't know. Because that was like the closest thing you could say there was to a real life version of the Truman Show Uh up until that point in time. And why would you say that? Well, you have a famous athlete Mm -hmm. who is beloved by millions and then the country, rightfully so, turns on him, and we learn all these details about his personal life and about the wife of the life of his wife, right? And Ron Goldman, and also his kids. Yeah, but Ron Goldman especially was sort of like, in a way, after his death, became a version of Truman because he didn't know that his life was going to become a reality TV show. Right, Ron Goldman or O.J. Simpson. Ron Goldman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't alive for it, but his he kind of became Truman because everybody found out about Ron Goldman and his wife through this tragedy and what? his life through this tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. You know what I mean? Yes. True. I think that's the closest thing we had to the Truman Show before this movie. In some ways, yes, and people are still talking about it. Yeah. Especially when that. That book that um, O.J. Simpson came out with, which really um, people were just, I mean, his his wife's sister was just enraged. What people forget about, I'm assuming you're talking about If I Did It. Yes. That was actually the second book he wrote about the case. Okay. I didn't know that he wrote another one. In 1994, right after it happened, he got a book deal to put something out from prison. Where he talked about the case. I, I never read that, but I know of its existence. And that's the thing. Just like Truman, they had to make money for selling products. In the O.J. Simpson trial, they had to sell books. Wow. There were people outside the courtroom selling T-shirts. Uh, Ford Bronco got a lot of free advertising from the chase. Because of that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because of the Bronco, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like – and it's so sad because uh, Denise Brown, who was her sister – it's almost like her family was getting another slap in the face because of those book deals. Exactly. And it's like, we already had enough. It's, it's bad enough that my, my sister's dead and my sister's friend is dead. Um, and they didn't have to die. And, uh, now OJ's writing these two books. Right. And it's another slap in the face. Right. But, uh, but I'm specifically thinking about it and how it relates to the Truman show. Yeah. They had product placements. Yeah. In, in the Truman Show, and people from the OJ trial release books and right, 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 you know, exactly. They, stuff made, like they, that. Made, they profited off of that case, exactly for sure. But in some sense, they kind of had to because their lives weren't going to be normal after the trial. Mm-hmm. And so, how were they going to make a living? Right, you know what I mean. So, 
it's it's I'm this sure they weird sewed gloves too. Yeah, it's this weird mirror on our society, and I'm wondering if that's what inspired this movie. I don't know that it did, but you you ha- made some uh, good points there. Mm-hmm. It's possibly that it did, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it did. I'm going to research that. Okay. Because I could see if that was the case. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if I found out that the writer was watching the OJ trial and came up with the idea for this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and think about this too, because Ace Ventura came out um, in '94, February of '94. And this is right before that whole scandal came out the next year. No, right? with OJ, that happened in June of 94. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. But so it continued on until the It continued on. Okay. Excuse me. Yes. Uh, Jim Carrey didn't write this movie, so I'm not sure the correlation, but I, I, I still love the pips. Oh. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that this whole, uh, this thing was going on after Ace Ventura came out and OJ Simpson was still beloved by a lot of people for a few more months for a few more months yeah yeah yes 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 that's what i mean bud okay babes Mm. (laughs) i love you babes Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you love me yes very good this film should have gotten a lot of oscar nominations absolutely i agree and if Jim Carrey was didn't come from the background of In Living Color and Ace Ventura, it probably would have. Yeah. I think, did Ed Harris get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor? Did Jim, who? Ed Harris, who played Chris Um, Love. I don't know. I didn't check. This one may have gotten one or two nominations, but it, there's an argument that it should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I, I don't know why it didn't. Yeah. It was really good. I mean, after seeing it yesterday and... Understanding it more, um, it should have won for something. It should have had an Oscar. Yeah. I think Jim Carrey may have won a Golden Globe for this, but don't mm-hmm. quote me. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about the Truman Show? Oh, oh, uh, actually, I have, I'm sorry. I have a couple more questions for you. Uh-oh. Real quick. What would you give it on a scale from 1 to 10? Hmm. I would give it a solid 8. Would you recommend it to friends of yours? And if so, what's your elevator pitch? Um, if you think your reality's messed up, <laughs> uh, watch this, watch this movie and then come back to me and talk about your reality. Nice. <laughs> Any- if, you're, if you're thinking about having your own altern- alternate reality, then watch this movie. Oh, you know, I just thought of another question I have for you. What's that? Okay. Truman leaves his reality, mm-hmm. and presumably he's going into our reality of 1998. Yeah. Right before reality TV explodes. Yeah. So now we get into like a weird sort of thing of what is reality, but I love going there, and this movie enables me to do that into a strange way. Mm-hmm. Does Truman eventually come back to embracing reality TV or is he one of those guys who finds a small town to live in and maybe Sue's Kristoff makes a ton of money so he doesn't really have to work and just lives a simple life. I think he leaves it entirely. Honestly. I agree. I completely agree. I don't agree. think he comes back because I mean, why would he, he his, his life was com- a complete lie. Yeah. And now he has to make his own, his own actual reality. Exactly. And I know I said, okay, this is the last question. Oh, my goodness. Does Sylvia really care about Truman? 
Or is she just a glorified groupie? Because, yeah, she knows the real him, but she knows him from seeing him on TV. I really think she cares. Okay. I, I don't think she would risk her life to tell him, you are wrong, Chris, uh, you know, you, you know. Not, I'm sorry, uh, to tell Kristoff that he's wrong and to also tell Truman that this person is lying to you. They're all lying to you. Mm. I don't think she would risk her life to say that to him when she knows that her life is on the line. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I really think he, she really did care. Nice. Any more questions, comments, or concerns? Who played her? Sylvia Garland. I don't know, but she was good in the movie. She was very good, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like we did a good job of talking about this film? That and so much more. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, good. Yes, yes, yes. Well, good, babes. Oh, good. Now, you wanted to watch another movie that I was kind of on the fence about. I'm not going to lie, but I'm really glad that we watched it. It's called The 49th Parallel. Yeah, and and we don't have to, like, give the entire thing, because it was a long movie. Yeah. uh, If you don't mind, I'll just give the basic Go, Go ahead, go ahead. It's basically, in Canada, there was a German ship fighting some Canadian vessels. The German ship gets kind of blown up and it sinks, but six soldiers escape. They go through all these adventures, and it's primarily told through the perspective of the Germans, which is kind of interesting. Yes. Um, Like at one point they go to this religious community, uh, and another part of the movie they end up meeting uh, like the scholar who's studying these indigenous tribes. Yep. And – the Nazi crew gets whittled down from six to one person. Yep. And it's about that journey and about how the last man standing eventually gets captured by the authorities. Mm-hmm. Parts of it were confusing at first. It was. And yeah. 10, 15 minutes into it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be very boring. I sort of advocated for something different. I'm not going to like this movie. But at the 20-minute mark, I start to get into it. And once I got into it, I really got into it. I'd give Me this, too. Yeah, I'd give this movie a solid eight. I would give this the movie the same thing because it takes a while to get, you know, it's it's a little bit slow in the beginning and it's like, this is really confusing. Um, you know, you're trying to figure out who the, who the Nazis are and trying to keep everybody um, – Trying to figure out who everybody is, yeah. but it it was really good. It's one of those movies, babes. I could see watching again, yeah, just to like put things more together in my head, yeah. But I liked it a lot. Yeah, and you were saying, you know, when they went to that religious community, you were thinking that they were going to be converted, but instead, and I think I should mention the scene. Go ahead. The young, this young girl Anna, who's sixteen, because she's been, you know, taking care of the men. Uh, because a lot of them don't have any mothers and she's been making the beds and she realizes that some of the men that are there are Nazis. And she said, you killed my father, you drowned him and you killed my mother and I hate you. And I know that, that my religion says that we should not hate anybody, but I hate you. At one point, one of the Nazis decides to leave the group yep. to pursue his passion of baking in this community. Yep. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is really going to be a movie that's more about his journey, yes. which would have been cool enough. It would have been cool. But instead, the Nazis take him out and they kill him. They do, yeah. Which I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting it either. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm honestly surprised that more people don't talk about this movie. Right. It's it's really good. And it is really good, yeah. It's interesting because Canada comes off as the really good guys, not uh-huh. America. Well, the, the well, wait a minute. Oh, you mean like in in in, in patriotic movies? Well, in, pa- in yeah, in patriotic movies, especially in World War II, it's usually America solves the problem, but in this one, it's Canada. It's, it's Canada, yeah, which is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a unique twist to it. It is a unique twist, yeah. And the problem is basically solved by a soldier who is a is went AWOL. Mm-hmm. A Canadian soldier who left the military and is going to be hunted down. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because if, if you're going to have a Canadian soldier, you know, fix things, it's not going to be one who desert who deserted his post. Mm-hmm. I like this film a lot. It was good, and I and I liked how the um, I liked how the guy in on the train said, you know, instead of. Asking you for your pants, I'm just going to take them. Yeah, and then and then they were um, getting him to the uh, was it the border. They, they, this was when they were coming back into Canada. Yeah, they were, they were taking him to the taking that one guy to the border so that they can that he can be arrested. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, there was only one scene in the movie that. I don't want to say I don't believe, but it felt just a slight bit heavy-handed to me. Mm-hmm. And that was when they capture the intellectual and they start burning his books, mm-hmm. art, and his research. Yeah. Now, I know why they did that. Because, one, you have to build support for our allies. And, two, yeah. they actually did do that stuff in Nazi Germany. Yes, they did. But I think the reason it felt – and, again, I'm not saying it wasn't realistic, but it felt just slightly heavy-handed to me. Mm-hmm. Is I think if they tie up the guy, they're either going to kill him or quickly grab his weapons and leave. Huh. And not just stay there to burn stuff. Oh, okay. I see. Because, yeah, they're Nazis, but they're not in a country filled by Nazis. Yeah. So they don't have the backing of Hitler and the SS to where they can just stay and burn books all day. Right. Yeah. But that's really it. Everything else really worked for me in this film. Yeah, it was was good. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend this, and it makes me want to watch more films from this director. Yeah, yeah. Who who directed it? Now? I don't remember. Okay, but you know we can find that out easily. You know, it it yeah the it's it's called the Forty um, Ninth Parallel. Are you going to recommend this movie to your relatives? If so, what's the elevator pitch? Um, I don't have one. Okay. Um, all I can say is that this is what happened back in the nineteen forties. With Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. and um, except this is this has to do with Canadians and Germans, not Americans and Germans. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. It is. I want to do character analysis, but I also want people to watch this film. I think it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, because most of the characters are Nazis. Yeah. They- so well, it, it's a quick synopsis, but it's it's the rest of the characters are Nazis. And it's like the three of them, right? Yeah, they're the main characters. They're Nazis. Oh, I see. They're the main characters. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to do that because there's all these kinds of people. There's a religious community. You have the the French um, 
the French guy at the beginning of the movie, French Canadian. Yep, the French Canadian that they kill off. And then, you know, there's so many people in their adventures. It's a great movie. It is. And I would actually be interested to see if this is based on a book. Mm. Because I'd love to read a book like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Very much so, babes. So quick analysis, but the movie is definitely worth watching. It is. Yes. J-Lo. Yeah. You are yawning. You're going to kick me out soon. But before that, yeah. tell me your relationship with dreams over the last couple of days. I didn't have any dreams, actually. Well, I did. Okay. Okay. I had two dreams last night. I only remember one. Okay. But I'll tell you what it was. I was living in a house, and I go on what I'm assuming is Craigslist mm-hmm. to find somebody to come over and clip my nails for me. <laughs> so I'm assuming I was a rich person. Your toenails, yeah. right? Not your fingernails, but uh-huh. your toenails. <laughs> so I get this guy to come over and do the job. And we're having this great conversation about life and reality and all that stuff. I call my friends, invite them over. We all have this party. The next day he's like, okay, well, I'm done. And I say, I'm going to give you a really huge tip because you did such a great job. And I just want you to know this was a very fun experience for me. And then I woke up, wake up. <laughs> Of clipping toenails. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. It was a very strange, but a good dream. That is strange. Yeah. It's funny how our our dreams are like that, too. Absolutely, babes. Yeah. The one about the hospital was weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one that you told me about. I don't even remember that one. The one when you went to eat, that one dream. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You in the hospital, yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very strange. Very good, babes. Then the one dream I had where we were going to this concert. I think I, I mentioned this in other in another um, episode where we went to this concert and we happened to run into your ex. Nice. Who knows? That might happen one day. Oh, oh, we got to talk about what you told me last night. Mm, what? About how, so Alana, I have some ex-girlfriends in the city. In the Portland metro area, I, I have a few exes. And Alana has always said, I, Bob, I don't want to want in any of your exes. I really don't. And many of them are in the blind community. So, like, you know people who know them. They know people who know you. I'm assuming they know people who know you. And But you've never met any of my exes to the best of your knowledge. Mm-hmm. But last night, we're in bed, and you say to me, Part of you would like to run into some of my exes. To my reply was, I could, pro- I, if you want to pursue that dream, I can make it happen. And I said, no, I just said a tiny part. I didn't say I actually wanted to do it. Okay. It's just a thing where I, and girls think about this stuff, right? Hmm. Like, oh, um, you know, is the guy, is, is my boyfriend's, were my boyfriend's exes as cool as I am or, were they uglier than than me or um and I mean the girls think about that stuff. You know, did did he downgrade before he met me or you know, something stuff like that. But it's like part of me in some ways thought about, well, I'd like to put one of them to shame, but do I really want to do that? No, I don't. Not at all. And I have a diverse group of exes. Like, not all of them are blind, not all of them are dark-skinned, not all of them are, you know, conservative, not all of them are liberal. There's, you know, a relatively good spectrum there of women that I could introduce you to. And I would 
like to know, uh, uh, or not know, but, um, I, uh, don't want to introduce you to any of my exes. <laughs> I all. have, uh, all. with you and me, it's very different. You have this fear slash desire to meet some of my exes. I have no fear over it, but at the same point, I, I, I'm not interested in meeting anybody you went out with. No, but I, I, I don't really think about it. Like it seems like you think about meeting my exes a lot more than I think about meeting yours. I, I, I do because, and I've had, and I, and, and I've had run-ins with my own exes and that's kind of scary. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. I'm really only on good terms with one of my exes and she lives in a completely different part of the country, like the complete opposite side. Like I'll, 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 you know, I kind of talk to other exes, but it's very much, you know, let's keep it surface level. Right. Um, well, I, I guess with the one I'm on good terms with, it's let's keep it surface level, but I don't, at least from my perspective, I don't feel like there's any like things that we really need to discuss boiling beneath the surface or anything. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I'm I think I'm only on good terms with one of them. Oh. And um we already we already discussed a lot of stuff that happened, but I think I'm okay with it. Nice. Um I think I've I've gone on from that. I hope he's okay with it. I think he, I'm I'm hoping that he is. I never talk about it anymore, but um uh that's really the only part. and then the, and then the one X um, I haven't, uh, talked about in years and we're not in contact anymore. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just let me know if you want me to arrange something. And, no, know. I don't want to, I don't want this to actually happen. Okay. It's just a fantasy that I don't want to happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I have this weird idea and my mind goes weird. Like. If we ever go to a certain meeting, NFB, I do not, I do not want to sit close to said X. Okay, so I'm I'm going to give a few more details. Jayla's kind. I'm not going to give that many more. Yeah. But what I will say, there's a girl who I I. <laughs> I almost gave out one too many details. Who I dated, let's say, a, a few years before Jayla. Right. And she's involved to some extent with the local NFB. Now, this is one of those girls to where um, we're not friends on Facebook. We never talk to each other on social media. And it's not that she's a bad person, but she's a little bit too stuck up, for my opinion. And... <laughs> Uh, because she's involved with the NFB, which is a blindness organization. Yeah. And because I'm thinking I might need to return to blind church, there is a possibility that Alana and I would run into her. And it's possible that I may have run into her on the bus, which would really freak me out. It's possible, babes. Yeah. And I told Alana last night, well, babes... If you really want to make sure that nothing happens, then I think the best thing to do is straddle me when we're at the end. This is exactly why people um, should not listen to this podcast. Or they should. <laughs> Your mom should not. Right. And I said, no, that's improper decorum. You don't do that at meetings. It's just not acceptable. And I feel like I'm the only one laying down the rules here. 
that's fine, babes. Mm-hmm. You need people like me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, babes, I think that this girl is so full of herself, she wouldn't come up to us. I, I think she would. Yeah, and you, yeah, I, I'm not well, sure. Well, I think that. she would, just because, and this is why I think so, and I don't know. I mean, maybe you're right about that, but a good friend of hers who knows you. Yeah, I came up to us and then, right, exactly. And, and outside of it. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, maybe her friend, your ex, would do the same thing. And I'm just afraid that it's going to be really awkward. Not for you, but for me. Oh. Not for you, but certainly for me. Yes. And also this girl's white. And and also, too, I've run into an ex before, and he had his current girlfriend there, and I can tell you it was very awkward for me. Well, let's say we run into this girl at an NFB meeting, and she has a boyfriend. I think what we need to do, babes, is just, like, you know, start going at it there. No. And, you know, make no, it and I said, super weird. And I said that the the... The fact that we, you know, we sit there, we're sitting there and holding hands is already going to send her, like, may send her reeling, or maybe it will. No. It may either send her reeling, or maybe she's like, oh, oh, new girl. Okay. I honestly, babes, I think that this girl, and I know I'm painting her in a bad light. Because I don't know this person. I don't. Yeah, and all you really know from me is that she's part of the NFB. Uh, I got a low level STD from her and, uh, that she's super smart. I honestly think if she saw us in an NFB meeting, she wouldn't even care. I think that she's moved on from it. And honestly, so have I, but it's kind of fun to tell old stories. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the idea of it. Oh. I, I don't like it. I want, I want to sit like six rows back from her or six rows in front of her and not even, uh, and not even hear her voice or whatever. I, I just I just want to stay out of it. Nice. It it was hard enough running into my ex and his current girlfriend. Nice. And it was also hard to um to run into him and he's acting all buddy buddy towards me. And he did. It oh. was very, very weird. Well then you're not gonna like my idea for a Valentine's Day surprise. I was going to take you out to dinner with 17 of my ex-girlfriends and all of their new partners and, you know, focus the conversation around me and my greatness. That was a joke. Uh, the joke did not land. No, it didn't. That would be horrible. But I still love you, babes. Okay. Okay. Why the hell? You got some weird ideas. Oh, Bob, your jokes are kind of out there. Bubba. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, Back to Ted Lasso for just a minute. Go ahead. What about that one part when uh, Roy and Jamie were at Keeley's place? Oh, I completely forgot to mention that. I now like that. Now that we're talking about exes, Yeah, right? yeah. Well, uh, what did you think about that scene? I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I laughed during that scene a lot. I think that's great. And, and, you know, Jamie keeps going on this thing about how old Roy is, Roy is and then he eventually leaves. Yeah, that's great. After he realizes that they're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff, babes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But I did find it really interesting, too, and and I'll mention this one thing, is that Jamie's dad yells at him. And remember how Jamie was talking about um, how his dad didn't really come to see him until he was really famous? Yep. And But even so, even though uh, Jamie won for his team, his dad still isn't happy. Exactly. And so... 
what is a what is a Jamie Tart supposed to do? I don't know, babes. But I just wanted to mention that because since we're talking about exes, yeah, he's supposed to th- sing his own theme song. The <laughs> which is the same tune as the uh, Baby Shark song that kids like to listen to. And I only know that because my nephew is into that. Yeah, and I remember hearing it, and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds like Baby Shark." But when he, when we're watching that in the show, I knew I knew the song, but I didn't know where I knew it from. And you said that when we were over at my sister's house one day, my nephew played it for us. Yep. Yeah, so I knew the song Baby Shark, but I didn't know how I knew that song. And, and I, that a lot of reminded me of how. And I just thought it was funny that they use that for the for Jamie Tart's theme yeah, song. Jamie Tart. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Jamie that that, make, that <laughs> does make me laugh when I hear his theme. And it's even funnier that he's saying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what they thought about that. Like, oh, we got to take a a, um, a song that kids like to listen to and turn it into um, um, Jamie Tart's theme song. Most times that type of stuff wouldn't work for me, but it's done really well in Ted Lasso. And I like Roy Kent's song, too. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. But that was me who liked it. Alana thought it was disgusting. Yeah. And a sin against God. Oh, jeez. Sorry, babe. You're mocking. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. You're mocking for this fighting words. Oh, tickle truce. Oh. Oh, give me a kiss. No. Okay. Well, then, we got to certify the truce, babes. It's solidified. Solidify. You say tomato, I say tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. As uh, Mr. Peanut Butter might say. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. I don't remember. I think I may have seen that one. I don't remember. Oh, That's you, hilarious. You got to get back to Bojack, babes. It's the. I love Ted Lasso and the boys, but I think that Bojack Horseman is my favorite TV show in the last 10 years. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And I'm glad you're enjoying the Diamond Dogs. <laughs> The Diamond Dog Strikes Again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Does it come up again in the second season? Oh, yeah. Oh, they do? Yeah, they're the Diamond Dogs. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be virtually hanging out with my Diamond Dogs tonight. <laughs> you know what? I should start calling my crew the Diamond Dogs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> By the way, do they like t- Ted Lasso? I've never asked them. Oh, well, then I don't know if you should call them the Diamond Dogs until they actually saw it. You know what? I'll throw it out there tonight. It's just like, hey, I'm glad the Diamond Dogs are back together. <laughs> and see what they think. That's a, a fun name for a group. Yes. Yes. Right. All right, babes. Anything else you want to say? Any ex-girlfriends of mine you want to? Uh, no. No. My fear is that you run into one of them, uh, one of my exes, because I do not want that to happen. That's just going to be very, very weird. I highly doubt I'm going to run into any of your exes. I don't have anyone in. I don't have any exes in Portland, by the way. So. Yeah, and you've only dated a couple guys from the blind community. I've dated side women. Um, I dated no, no, no. I I, I dated um, more blind guys than sighted guys. Oh. Uh, both of them. I don't know the, the first two. I'm not sure where they are now. Um. And the, uh, yeah, I've dated like four guys from the blind community, now five. I'm going to give you your ultimate nightmare slash fantasy. For your birthday this year. Oh. I decide as a gag gift, we're going to go on a triple date with two of my ex girlfriends so that you can all discuss my greatness. 
And all I know about these exes is that, well, I mean, I know more, but all I know about their current life is that they're both in relationships. So we go on the triple date and it turns out that my two exes are dating two of your exes. I doubt that would happen. Maybe it will. Maybe I doubt that would happen. No. And that'll be your birthday poison. J-O. No, 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 no. I doubt that would happen. And then, and then I will oh. quickly become one of your exes if that is my birthday present. No, you, you would be <laughs> gone by the, you would be gone by the time I went home. Is what I'm trying to say. That would be my gift to you. I'd be like, all right, before I get on the bus, I'm just going to say, uh, it, we're, we're done. <laughs> oh, hey. That would be another, um, that would be another list of your uh, dramatic breakups if it were to happen that way, which wow. I don't think you're smart enough. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Oh. I, no, 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 no. What I mean is I don't think you're dumb enough to do that. No. That's, I, you're, you're a very smart person. Thank you, babes. I, I meant to say I don't think you're dumb enough to, uh, to end it all by <laughs> doing that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that please i won't do that and and also i mean it would require me not just contacting some of my ex-girlfriends i'd have to see if they were in a relationship with your ex-boyfriend so that would be a lot of work and and what if they were single then i'd have to find one of your ex-boyfriends to set them up with well first off they oh, all the work well first off one of my exes up, is up north in uh a, a part of washington so i doubt that that would happen. Yeah, I have to travel all the way up north to Washington to find one of your exes. <laughs> Bring him here for the double date. Hope he gets along with one of my exes. I'm not doing that, babes. I mean, most of my exes... Uh, no, wait. Let me think. Um, uh, a lot of my exes are in, are in were in Washington. I don't know if they still are. Yeah, it's it would be a whole thing, babes. Um... And uh, the one of them, I don't know where he is because I don't know what state he's in. Nice. And then. A state of confusion. Right. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. But so, yeah. They're good babes. So I I don't want you to run into any of them. Nice. All right, J-Lo, unless there's anything else you want to say. This is a fun, uh, this yeah. is a fun episode. <laughs> I think uh, after this, you should kick me out and uh, then right. we'll see each other next week. But first, give me a kiss. Okay. Stop it. Sorry, give me a kiss. And don't make any noise. It's just, you were the one doing okay, it. Okay, no one remembers that. Part yeah, of that. Yes, they do. That was that uh, was just a second ago. That was so far in the past, I don't even remember. So give me a kiss. Bubs? What? We could argue about the past. Let's just say we have different memories. Bubs? What? All right, give me a kiss. All right. Any last words? Um, uh, no, but uh, I, I, well, I guess all I have to say is, um, here's to the new year. I hope it starts off well for everybody. Yeah. Here's to the new year. All right. That's all. Bye. Bye. Bye.